In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with Zach Jackson. Zach, where in the world are you, buddy? <laughs> uh, I'm in Akron, Ohio, where it's raining. It's kind of crappy. Um, it's a little bit like winter, which it really has been, but uh, it's good to be on with you. Excellent. No, thank you very much. Um, lots of people have spoken to uh, me about yourself over the years, so it's, it's great to finally talk. And maybe later on I can ask you a little bit about how you – going to Browns, how you've been so successful. But first of all, the news is all about London today, of this potential Browns could be coming to London. And uh, have you tried working out what the percentage chances are of this maybe happening? Yeah, so, well, I mean, the percentage on the surface is is 33. It's one and three. I mean, the Jaguars have eight home games. We know because of prior engagements, they're not going to play the Bears or the Steelers at home. Um, so, you know, they're going to play those back-to-back games at Wembley that would leave, um, six games for, for their two. So, you know, just based on how the NFL has done it in the past, um, you would think one division game, which for them would be the Colts, uh, the the Titans or the Texans, and then maybe one non-division game, which only leaves three others. So, um, Paul, I would say the only reason I'm a little surprised is they usually do this in advance at least uh, roughly like when the Browns played in London in 2017, it was actually done almost a full year in advance. Um, What happened was they kept waiting for the Browns to win a game to announce it. And the Browns didn't win a game that year until Christmas Eve. So it it became later. So um, I don't know if it's news, but I would say, you know, it is a very good chance. Uh, I think the NFL plans to have five or six games there again. Um, And so, uh, I believe, though, the only one that's a host team at this point that, you know, for the Browns would be ja- the Jaguars. But I'd say 33% chance is, is, for someone like you, as good as you can ask for. Yeah, well, I, I was looking at some of the teams. I think it was the Texans played the Jags, I think, last year. So I, I was right. like, maybe discount them. And obviously there was the Dolphin rumors, but obviously that has been squashed by the NFL. So... Um, yeah, it's uh, it's an away game as well for the Browns. So there's not so much hate versus the last one three years ago with the Browns because you had to give up a home game. So Right. Well, the thing that to me would be cool is this one, if it happens, is in Wembley. Last time, you know, they were all the way out at the rugby stadium. Yeah. Which was a cool environment, but it was older. And I think, you know, this one would be the opportunity to play in the new Wembley. So, um you know, I, I think it's probably something that the Browns don't want to do. Honestly, obviously, logistically, a lot goes into that. I think they would rather go play the Jags in Jacksonville, where there'll be just as many Browns fans as there will be um, Jaguars fans, and it's a lot easier for Browns fans to get there, obviously. But, um, you know, the thing with the schedule is you know who you play, and you really, with, with only a few exceptions, have any control 
over, you know, when that is and, and how they stack them up. So, um, you know, the game would be in October and you would probably have your bye week after. But other than that, the Browns just kind of wait till April and, um, you know, play them, play them how the NFL says they're going to play it. Yeah, it's interesting because the NFL used to always give you a lot of warning who the teams were. The tickets mm-hmm. are going on sale in England, I believe, next Tuesday. So uh, a lot of people will be buying blind tickets and they won't know who's coming over and they will be <laughs> buying... Yeah, blind. So, uh, yeah, it'd be quite quite interesting. Personally, I prefer it to be in uh, Jacksonville because there's a direct <laughs> flight from London to Jacksonville. And <laughs> it could be the last ever possibility or chance of me sitting in a pool and watching the Browns play. <laughs> that is one way to look at it, right? So, yeah, um, you know, it's just, like I said, it's one of these things – you know, I don't think the Browns are going to be the national darlings when the schedule comes out like they were last year. So this could be a way to do it. But, um, you know, it, it, it's it's really something they don't have control over, like I said. So uh, it's just this this announcement was interesting um, because, like you said, and, and we've talked about, you know, that it usually is done well in advance. But it sounds like this was something that was kind of decided on the fly. So there is the possibility that they would look and say, okay, let's just, let's move Brown's Jags over there and see what happens. Yeah. I, I actually got a tip off earlier in the day that it was going to be announced, but um, I didn't realize there was two games back to back. And that was, that was new to me. The, um, the, the interesting thing looking a bit more broader across the NFL now is how do you feel about two games actually be played in London by the same club. It's, it is a step closer to this maybe model of an international um, potential team. And please don't feel you have to be modest with me. Let me, let me know how you feel. It's your country and I'm supporting it from uh, abroad. Yeah, well, I, I would say this. I would say this screams that if a team is going to make the move that it would be Jacksonville, right? Um, and it seems like a test run. Uh, to me, Paul, I, I have always thought that one team in London is not the answer. I thought, I've always thought it would have to be two because you would have to develop that natural rivalry and you would have to play them, to me, in bunches like this to where you take teams over and you know may, they maybe play both teams in a back-to-back setting or both teams are gone from there. So, you know, it's not – the travel and the internet and everything has made it a hundred times – easier than it used to be right but it's still totally different and there's still hurdles to overcome in terms of teams being over there or a team being over there and that team being able to be competitive or that team you know being having that it's real home I mean I think the nightmare scenario is that team training in Florida or in North Carolina and playing in London right I think they would want it to actually be there so um We'll see what happens with the Jaguars. I know the Chargers have been mentioned, and, and I really don't know. I think, honestly, I think the first thing on the NFL's plate is is the new collective bargaining agreement and just trying to avoid a work stoppage and all that comes with that. And then once that's in place and the players' union you know, makes its certain amount of concessions, once we establish what's going on with the 17-game schedule and then the travel logistics with that, I think then we'll know for the window of this decade of is London realistic or there's still going to be just four or five games there a year. And, you know, will it be included in this possible neutral site rotation? Because, 
it feels like they're going to go to 17 games, but it doesn't feel like that there's a set plan out there um, for how exactly that's going to shake out. Um, you know, assuming the NFLPA makes its concessions as, as they finish this bargaining. And how do you feel about it going to the 17 game scheme? Because like all the, all the old history will have to be rewritten in a weird way. So, yeah, um, you know, that, that is a factor. I feel like personally that it's inevitable. Um, but I know, you know, I mean, I've covered the Browns for a long time and I've seen a lot of dead teams in December. So you're going to get the second bye week, which the players will like. You're going to get more money for the players, which is what their fight always is, and more guaranteed money, which I think is the fight this time. Uh, but I, I don't know that it will make the product better. So, you know, to me, if you're going to do it, and it results in more guarantees for more guys and it results in a true situation where you have neutral games and you're able to bring games to London, um, you know, maybe, maybe make some other um, rivalries between AFC and NFC teams played more than once every four years and kind of mix it up with neutral things Then I'm for it. Um, I just don't know those details, but I, I do think it's inevitable because I think the TV money drives everything. And I think the NFL has such a monster right now that going to an 18-week regular season and adding a 17th game for every team is is probably going to happen in this new CBA. It's really interesting because uh, we've experienced it with the World Cup, with um, the ladies' football now or soccer being introduced. When they start talking about the history of the World Cup, they may suddenly say, well, leading goal scorer is, um, I'll make a name up, D Haslam. And I'm, I'm like, hang on a minute. She's just come along and she's now the top goal scorer in history for, right. for Brazil. And you're like, what about Pele? You know, he just lost his record because maybe the women's uh, American football, sorry, American soccer's a lot easier. So we're, we're finding straight away that like records are suddenly being beaten and smashed only because of a change of a technicality. Yeah, no, that's something to consider. Um, but, you know, the, the game went from 14 to 16. A lot of the Browns records set by Jim Brown were done in 14 game seasons, you know. Um, so it, it's grown before, and I just think it's, it, it's a logical step um, as they continue to grow it. So to me, it's more, you know, about, about the structuring and, um, you know, getting it in there. For, here's one positive to it, Paul. Um, Thursday night football is not going anywhere, but Thursday night football – is currently a bad product, right? Because guys just, it, it's too hard on their bodies and the, their turnaround is too quick. Oh, now yeah. it's written in the CBA to where you can't play a Thursday night game off a bye because you have to get a certain amount of days off. But when you add the second bye in a 17 game schedule, maybe that second time around can be Thursday night football where teams have had 10 days rest, right? So now you got a better product for Thursday night and some more meaningful games because the fans aren't, aren't still exhausted by the prior Sunday their team hasn't played, and then there's still that built-in extra time after the game. So there's little things that come and go. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody ever intended for Thursday night football to be the staple that it's become in the NFL, but, again, it comes to TV money, and TV money is king. Well, let's park London for a minute. How are you feeling right now, Zach, with the current Browns setup with the uh, coaching staff? Well, how do I feel is exhausted by another complete regime change. I didn't see this coming. Um, you know, as for my outside view of the coaching staff, I think Kevin Stefanski's done a good job. 
you know, for a guy who's a first-time head coach and has really only worked in one organization, for him to be able to go get Bill Callahan, uh, for him to be able to go get coordinators on both sides who have been around the league, uh, who have a reputation in the league and who have worked in different systems, I think that's a positive. So, um, you know, we're used to this, unfortunately. So the the proof will eventually come in the fall. But, you know, I think for the most part, he was able to get uh, guys that he wanted despite the late start. And to me, the only holdup in terms of the late start is not getting the GM in until last week. Um, you know, good teams have had their free agency, their initial free agency plans done for a month, and the Browns are just kind of getting into that. So it's going to be a condensed timeline in terms of making decisions on guys like Vernon and Kirksey and Hubbard um, and keep them or cut them. Um, it's going to be a condensed timeline and making sure they're interviewing the right guys at the combine in late February. But um, you know, to me, as long as they trust in what they're doing uh, and they have the right people, they'll make up for that. And uh, we'll see. I, I don't know that they would be in the market this year for any A-list free agents anyway. So sometimes that just comes down to who you're willing to pay and, and who's available to hit the market. So, um, you know, what they've done before hasn't worked, <laughs> obviously. But if they get everybody on the same page, uh, that's at least a start. And, and that's about all I can say right now because I, I just – I don't uh, – the constant change just makes you worse every time you do it, and they're, they're chasing uh, the elite teams. It's pretty clear that they're far behind the elite teams in the AFC. And, Zach, uh, first time on the show, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how you got to where you are uh, for, with your media coverage. Well, I grew up here in Akron, um, you know, watching football, loving football. Um in 2000, when the Browns were first coming back, I got hired by the team as an intern for the website uh, for clevelandbrowns.com when clevelandbrowns.com was really just getting started. Excellent. Uh, that turned into a full-time job. I was there through 2010. Um, I left that job for Fox, where I worked till 2015. Uh, they kind of blew up their model, so I landed at Pro Football Talk for about a year and a half, and then I started at The Athletic in March of 2017. So... Um, haven't been full-time on the beat for two decades, but pretty darn close. Um, you know, worked inside the team for a long time. Uh, my book, uh, 100 Things Browns Fans Should Know, came out last October. And, uh, you know, just really enjoying doing what I'm doing with The Athletic and podcasting and, you know, hoping eventually you get to cover a relevant and successful Browns team. So we'll see how all that goes. It's not going to be – long away soon I can feel it but I'm really happy this year because we're really under the radar and no one's really talking about us which could be good for us I kind of agree with that Paul like I, I really think a lot of last year was too much too soon for too many people and in retrospect it was obviously too much for Freddie Kitchens yeah. um, it was obviously too much for Baker and, and the offense so um, I, you know, I think that can happen. And I think if you look, put it this way, I think if you want to make the case that just by cleaning up the penalties and the coaching and just a lot of the stupid stuff that maybe that they'd be a lot better instantly, I, I can totally buy that argument. So I see some holes on the roster. Um, and, and I worry about this group's ability to eventually add enough talent to get to a high, high level and, and play there. But um, they're taking over a team that has some talent. It's still a young team. Um, and if the quarterback plays better and they avoid some of those pitfalls, I would not be surprised to see the Browns, you know, as a playoff contender uh, this year. 
Uh, they're not close, like I said, to the elite teams right now. But I think when you look at Miles Garrett about to get an extension and Nick Chubb being who he is um, and some other young guys, you know, I, I just I think there's a lot of growth potential. I still think Denzel Ward can be a really, really good cornerback in this game, and you need a bunch of those. So um, key decisions lie ahead, and so much of it comes down to Baker just being accurate and, and you know, converting third downs and things like that. But, um, you know, I, I think that this can be a competitive team right away, and I, I see some growth potential. What I find crazy, Zach, is that it's Baker's third year. You know, it just where's that time gone? <laughs> His fourth head coach, too. Yeah, crazy. It's just it's not how you help a young guy get get ahead. So we'll see. Um they, they clearly believe in Kevin Stefanski. You know, they they did the dance with him last year and um, you know, starting in a, another month or two he'll he'll have his own guys, he'll have all the guys to get the hands on and, and we'll see. Um last year was just, just a mess and I think six and ten was a disappointment by by any measure. So we'll see if they bounce back because it just, it really in this league, everybody has good players. So you have to get guys on the same page. You have to get guys who football is really important to them and you have to play with a level of discipline and maturity that they just didn't. So, you know, hopefully they can achieve that going forward and then we'll see, you know, about the ceiling. Um, and specifically with this offense, uh, you know, there is firepower on this offense. I, I think they can be really good. Last question, Zach, then I'll let you go, is press conferences tomorrow. Who are you most excited to listen to tomorrow? Well, I think it's going to be just Andrew Barry. I okay. could be wrong, but, um, you know, this will be his formal introduction. He, the first time around, he did a couple of press availabilities, but I don't think many or any while it was just him. Um, you know, he's the youngest GM in NFL history, and th this is part of the job. So, um you know, we, we know they're going for this alignment, right? That's the word that's been used. So we want to hear him talk about, um, you know, how Paul DePodesta and Kevin Stefanski recruited him, what he likes about players that are already in place, many of whom he already knows to some extent, um, why he was willing to come back to this organization, and, you know, kind of just laying out the vision for, uh, for where this thing goes. So he's an impressive guy. He's a sharp guy. But he has a heck of a tough job ahead of him. So, uh, you know, this is just kind of a milestone, um, you know, symbol, a, a small step along the way. And he's got to get to work because the real work starts in just a few weeks. All right, Zach. Well, look, tell us where can people, if they're not, find you on Twitter? Uh, at Akron Jackson on Twitter and at Excellent. The Athletic every day. Excellent. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure to finally uh, catch up. And uh, one day I hope to meet you in uh, either Bria or at the First Energy Stadium and uh, maybe grab a beer together. Sounds good, Paul. You take care, buddy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Go uh -huh. Browns. Go Browns.